1: Welcome in, Rob Black, yeah, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Howdy, doody. Anything you want to talk about? We can talk about. We can Talk about the stock market. We could talk about Trump, his presidency, and how it ties into the stock market. We could talk about why isn't Twitter stock doing better with all the Trump mentions. Trump retweeted and then deleted an image of a cartoon train hitting a CNN figure. Seriously. Probably the most dignified job in the world is becoming a lot less dignified. And on the other hand, you get the ex-president, President Obama. His Charlottesville tweet okay. has now become the most dominant tweet and most liked tweet ever.
0: I appreciate that.
1: I know, Right. He may not be president anymore, but uh, you know the, the most liked tweet ever was, believe it or not, from Mariana Grande after she uh, tweeted about the Manchester concert. So after Obama's tweet on Tuesday night, it racked up 2.8 million likes, and uh, all he did was put a picture of him looking at a a window, and I guess whoever took this photo was pretty smart when they were taking this photo because you see the the live shot, and you're like, I don't see it, I don't see it. And you see it in the photo, and you're like, whoa, powerful. It's just him looking at a, a young black child, a young white child, and a young Asian child. Um, whoa. Through a window. And then looking at him like, who's this guy? And his quote is, no one is born hating another person because of color or his skin or his background or his religion. And it's the most like tweet. And why isn't Twitter stock doing better? Like it's tied towards the headlines every single day. So, um, <clears throat> so this is what's happening. You have a president who seems to be criticizing anyone. Um, no, he's bashing anyone who's criticizing his handling of Charlottesville, and he seems to be going off script. Uh, pretty aggressively again I'm not a politician I'm just telling you that Wall Street sees this and I'm surprised Wall Street isn't a little bit more uh, antsy um, but you know as long as we have jobs I mean it's almost like jobs president you know oil terrorism in the rock scissors paper world jobs seems to be winning out pretty aggressively Housing starts fell in the United States in July on a building slowdown. That's important. Housing starts. That word starts. Um, There's one that kind of precedes it called permits as far as words go. And magically speaking, you get a permit and basically you're sending your construction guy or your architect person uh, marching down to City Hall and saying, I need to make some changes here. So... Uh, starts is when you actually hire people and say, okay, uh, we're getting, uh, we got all the equipment here, now we need people to put it together. Housing starts faltered in July on an abrupt slowdown in apartment construction and a modest decline in single-family home building that showed the industry is going to do little uh, to spur the economy. Residential starts decreased 4.8%, multifamily home starts slumped 15%. Permits, which is that proxy of future activity, fell 4.1%. So... That is, I'm not going to say bad news, but there's no way it's good news. Despite overall starts being weighed down by less apartment construction, groundbreaking on single-family properties had declined in four last five months. Now that's starting to trend bad news. That uh, very much so doesn't support future activity. And again, future activity in our economy, it could be tied towards autos. They've peaked, it looks like. Homes, they're slowing down as far as the builders go. Single-family starts have not risen nearly as much as builder confidence has, reflecting the greater difficulty builders are having obtaining lots and labor relative to past cycles. I have some friends that I've, as I've gotten older, who in college, they did construction. I'm like, you did construction? That's so manly. Like, I wish I could have done construction. (laughs) Like, I was like delivering pizzas and waiting tables and that kind of thing, but... Man, Every now and then you're like, what a man, what a man, what a mighty fine man. Or the killers. I am man with a plan. I got gas in the tank, money in the bank. Anyhow, uh, Trump is ripping Amazon today. Says it causes great damage to taxpaying retailers. And a lot of economists are coming out and going, it's, it's really not Amazon who's the problem, because Amazon's creating jobs, whether you like it or not, Mr. Trump. It's it's Walmart who puts the mom and pops out of business and who comes in with a lot lower labor. Um, so quick, look over here. Amazon's messing up. Pay attention to my 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 all tweets. Um... That seems to be going on in some way, shape, and or form. Treasuries are trading flat this morning as far as fear goes. Um, 2.28%. Greenback, the dollar's climbed two-tenths of a percent against the euro, following news of the European Central Bank President Mario Von Draghi. I'm inserting the Von. Insert the Von in your name, in anyone's name. Mike Von Matthews, Robert Von Black. Like, it kind of makes you a little bit cooler. Mario Von Draghi. No, it's actually a, sta- a, tr- a f- true statement. So, <clears throat> so um, Mario Von Draghi is not going to discuss monetary policy at next week's Jackson Hole Symposium. Jackson Hole is kind of a cool thing that goes on where it's kind of a rabble-rabble situation where a lot of world leaders and friends get together.
2: Standing out here yelling, rabble, 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 isn't going to help anything.
1: <laughs> you get a lot of people together and they're rabbling. And um, as they rabble, they decide, oh, what do you think about your interest rates? What do you think about interest rates? What do you think about monetary policy? What do you think about the, what Trump's doing? Like? What do you think about... And it, it is what it is. It, some headlines will come out of it, for sure. I kind of wish I could go to Jackson Hole. It's a lovely, lovely, lovely area that they have uh, their whole symposium set up at. Uh, I've seen it in the news, and I'm a little bit envious. In corporate news, retailers are in focus once again following the latest earnings report from Target, which beat expectations, lowered expectations. So that's kind of like me. I'm no longer going to run a seven-minute mile. I'm totally happy with a nine-minute mile. Uh, but So I've lowered my expectations. I'm not going to do that seven-minute mile ever again, unless I'm running like down a hill, pushed off a mountain or something like that. Urban Outfitters is in the news. They're up 3.4, uh, three dollars and 48 cents to 20.30. What's interesting about that is I know nothing about Urban Outfitters anymore. And what I'm admitting to is, as I do a show about stocks and investing and getting you into retirement, taxes, insurance, college planning costs, um, there's some things, there's some retailers I'm out of touch with. I used to know Urban Outfitters well, and now I feel like a lot of to me. To me, a lot of retailers, as far as soft lines go, the the clothing side, they've been turned into plays as far as trades for me. Target's up 3.6% better than expected earnings and an increase in comparable same-store sales. Uh, Urban Outfitter's doing better. Uh, They're up 20% after reporting better than expected earnings. Um, So uh, there's a July 25, July 26, Fed meeting that closed, and we saw some of the minutes for it, looking for clues as to what the Fed might be thinking of as far as reducing their balance sheet. Um, so those minutes are due any day now, today, uh, any time now, today. So will the Fed raise rates again, or will they not? It's expected that they do. It will be in the December meeting. And again, that changes the cost of money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show
0: you're listening to rob black and your money on am 1220 kdow the conversation 800-516-1220 that's 800-516-1220 now back to rob black and your money on am 1220 kdow
1: couple things i'll do stories from time to time on things that may not make sense to you but they make sense to me and i'm sorry about that we know that there's a break, but if I do a story about Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell coming out with some sort of new scramble or some sort of new taco, taco Bell. I think Taco Bell is doing just crazy stuff with their food. And I recently saw they're turning a fried egg into a taco shell, uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, I don't know why it's cool, but it's kind of cool to me. Um, I'm old. I'm older. When I was 20, I'd be like, let's go to Taco Bell. Now I'm like, I can't do it. The sodium will kill me. My doctor told me not to, but it's the millennials that I care about on this show a lot as far as driving trends. And when you understand trends, demographics, and census data, you can do a lot as an investor. Um, one of the very first things that I, I did when I got into this industry was I, I studied the census and I studied population growth and you know demographics in the United States. Uh, just saying. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, com. Mr. Mendez, how are you? I'm well. Good morning. Good morning. Let's talk about buying points. It's one of those things that confuses a lot of people because it's kind of contentious. Wait, I'm spending $600,000 on a mortgage, and you want me to spend another $12,000? And I've always bought points if I'm going to stay in the house over three years four years, maybe five years, but I always consider it if it's not going to be a flip.
2: When you get a mortgage, the there's a cost associated with it, and you can pay additional costs that are associated with the rate called discount points. You can also pay origination points. We're purely talking about discount points and that... Discount point is a percentage of your loan amount. So yeah, if you're getting a six hundred thousand dollar loan and you're paying one point, you're paying six thousand dollars in addition to buy down that rate. And the general rule of thumb is, if interest rates are in the lower range, you don't buy points. If in the higher range, you may consider buying points. And the reason Let's stop is, for is a because. Second.
1: Uh, let's stop for a second. A point, a lot of people don't know because our math system and our grammar isn't the best. A point is 100 basis points equals one point. A basis. A point is a percentage, right? Yes. So you can cut your mortgage rate maybe if you buy a point from 4% to 3%. That's the idea.
2: It's the idea, and then at some level the lender will cut it off and make it just too expensive for you to buy it down. The whole theory of buying down a rate with using points is to um, stay in the property long enough so that that lower rate and the lower payment that comes along with it will pay you back more than the cost of that point.
1: Okay. I follow. Um, so mathematically, that's something you do for clients. You you show them, okay, here's your 30-year option. Here's your 15-year option. Here's your seven-year arm option. Now, what I would say is if you buy points on the 30-year, maybe down the road, you're not in the house, but you'll have a lower mortgage rate that can turn it into a rental. It can help your cash flow a little easier. Short-term pain, long-term gain. You show clients all of this stuff, right?
2: Right, and 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 it's what changes on a daily basis, something that, I always tell people when we first start talking is that rates don't change, it's the price of the rate that changes. So it's really important that you have some sort of interactive, uh, and I use spreadsheets, uh, that I can simply just change the, the pricing so you can see the comparison between, let's say for example, 4%, and if you drop it to 3 and an eighth or 3.75, and how much that costs in points, and what your payback period is. And that's really important to know because y- you are paying more costs, but you are getting a lower payment with it. When does it make sense, and how long does it make sense for you to stay in that house before it starts benefiting you? So the, usually the longer you stay there, the more it's going to benefit
1: you. Okay. Now, changing topics from buying points, should you or shouldn't you? Have we covered everything that we need to cover on that? I
2: think so. It,
1: well, a good relationship it's a with your airport. lender helps. Yeah.
2: It does, and, and it also... Um, there's other options, and I, I hate to bore you with so many numbers, but there are other options and ways that you can pay points with origination that can help you get a lower rate. Again, the whole theory here is that the longer you stay in your property, the lower the rate will benefit you in the long run. And that's where points come
1: into play. I'm with you on that. And again, I like points, um, only because I always get oh. into real estate thinking I'm going to keep it for the long term.
2: And there are right uh, tax benefits, too, by paying points.
1: If I were going to be in the property short term, I might go with just a five-year arm or I'm I'm going to go three. That's just too scary for me, Um, or a seven-year. And when I say scary, it's like when you set the term of your loan and then you decide to buy points or not, you really got to be comfortable with with the environment you're buying into. And again, even like a three-year, Tony, I don't think people have a lot to be fearful of right now. It's not like interest rates are surging or have a, a... I think we're in a low interest rate environment, and this may be the new norm. Until we see otherwise, I'm yeah, going to say that out loud.
2: That is the alternative to getting a 30-year fixed and paying points. If you know you're going to stay in the property, you, you might as well just get a five-year ARM or seven-year ARM, which are both the best-priced ARMs in the market. But if you're going to stay in a house for three years, get a five-year because you may stay there an extra couple of years. If you stay, if you were going to five years you get a seven year and a seven year you get a 10 year and every time you shorten that term the rate does drop and it's in essence similar to what you would do by buying points but you're not buying points you're just taking a shorter term which compensates so it's all about payment and it's all about your time frame in the property and that's how the math plays out
1: okay anything else we need to hit up on or is that about it for the points conversation that's that's about what you need to know until you start seeing a spreadsheet and see how it makes sense for your scenario. Thanks very much. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Buying points is one of those, I'm not going to say contentious, but it is a lot of people have problems with it because the whole buying a house, you're like, how much am I paying a realer? How much am I, you know, and then you buy points, and you're like, wait, wait, now you need to check for an extra $12,000 wired over? Why didn't you tell me, like, it always feels like there's going to be more costs and more costs and more costs and they never end. Um, I've bought multiple properties in my lifetime and none of them have I ever gone, you know, that was pretty good. I feel comfortable with the whole process. Um, I like having a friend. I like having a, um, someone I trust, a trusted person uh, help me with these decisions. Um, and And I'll say this, like sometimes you're going to look back and go, Oh, I wish I would have bought points. Sometimes you're going to do that. That is going to happen. So, you know, trying to have a knowledgeable base of, of understanding of what you're bringing to the table in the first place is probably a pretty good idea. So you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He also does a show here on KDOW AM 1220 at Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. If you want to learn more about mortgages and real estate, he's a good guy to have on your team. As far as my team, I'm going to be doing real estate. Nope. Nope, nope. I'm going to be doing investing seminars is what I do. Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning coming up soon in your neighborhood. If you go to robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com, and find out what's there, you'll, uh, you can use the code radio25 to get in for free as a radio listener. Radio25 at robblackshow.com.
0: now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to Shell. A lot of college seniors think they have a good idea of what life after graduation looks like. And a lot of them graduated in April, May, and now they're starting to think, okay, summer's over. I need to find a job, I need to wake up early. In college you get an assignment, you get a teacher, you get a time to show up for class, you get very clear parameters, Um, but they're not always that clear when you get into the real world. In order to be successful, you got to be comfortable with dealing with, you know, that unclear clarity of the world. Um, I know people who are in their 40s who, they get a part-time job and they, they talk to their therapist about it. They talk to their spouse about it. They talk to their friends from 20 years ago about it. and Their friends don't even know them. Their therapist knows them from 10 sessions a year. You know yourself pretty well. you got to be pretty comfortable knowing how to complete a task. Because the project demands, the life demands, the only person who's going to know it well is you and the person you live with. And everyone else is going to kind of like put their own little ideas into it. I think life is filled with tons of second chances. That's a super important thing. So the moment you get pulled over for DUI, the moment you get, um, you know, shoplifting, the moment you break up with a girl, you're going to have a second chance. So just know that down the road. Don't stress. Just do your best. Um, in life, college graduates, you're going to get rewarded for, for effort. It's going to be a good thing. Um, if teachers see you work hard enough, they give you extra credit points. Same thing with the office. So, um, the more you use, the better. College essays used to re- be required that you have like 10 pages or 5 pages um, or that you hit, you know, 10,000 words. You're rewarded for long. You now, in the professional world, that's almost exactly opposite. You don't want to write long-winded notes or memos to impress people. Um, so, success is all about impressing one person, and ultimately, it's your boss. A lot of situations, your boss and you are part of an organization with multiple owners, and multiple environments, and multiple shareholders, and multiple bosses. So, a lot of people are coming back to that reality right now. I saw a couple of stories recently that are pretty shocking. 5% of all American workers contributed absolutely nothing towards the retirement, either this year or last. Now, I can't comment on a lot of things. Politically speaking, I'm pretty apathetic. Um, I kind of think that one vote doesn't go a long way in the grand scheme of politics. In the smaller scheme of local politics, I think it absolutely does. So if I were to ever run for politics run for an office, it would be like a mayor or a city council member where you could actually change and impact people's lives. Um, but I could talk about retirement and that's something I, I care greatly about. Um, I want you to have a nice retirement and if you don't save, I'm not i am not going to feel a lot of pity for you. I've got a friend here, I work at a TV station and a radio station, I work at Cron TV, San Francisco, which great, great, great station, I um, AM1220, Salem broadcasting, awesome. But the TV side, I, I see a lot more people because morning radio—it's kind of—it's kind of lonely. But TV in the morning, there's there's a full staff. And I, one of my friends here, you know, she's pushing 40 now, probably like 36, 37. That's kind of pushing 40, right? And she got laid off, and she's known me for 15 years. And for 15 years, I've said, "Save in your 401k, you know, get an emergency fund." And she's like, "Nope, I'm young. I'm living in San Francisco. Um, she never saved, and she got laid off, and." I don't think you're gonna make it. If you hit the age 40 with nothing saved, I don't think you're gonna make retirement. I think you're gonna work till the day you die. Um, I'm not just saying that to be dramatic. I'm saying that because that's mathematically about right. So to supplement your retirement income, your Social Security might be, you know, twenty thousand dollars if you're lucky. If you work till age 70, Um, if you work till age 65, it might be $17,000, 18 thousand. Um, After you pay taxes, federal taxes, state taxes, which, again, they can be reduced rates because states do understand you're old and you need a break. But after you pay your health care, good luck with it. There ain't much left. But Americans are moving in the right direction as far as saving for retirement. Now, again, 5% aren't. But over the last year, 23% of all U.S. adults increased their retirement savings. Millions are ramping up their 401K plans. That's good and bad. I kind of feel like after an eight-year-up market, you know, are people jumping in because they're like, woo there's a lot of money in the stock market. Millennials between the age of 18 and 26 proved the most likely to have started saving more. Uh, good. They're the youngest. They've got the most time. They have the best opportunity. 30% reporting that they've increased their contributions in the last year. That's good. I like that. Uh, getting over the down year syndrome of fear. Elsewhere in the world of news, and again, saving for retirement doesn't seem important when you're 38, 39, but when you get laid off and you're suddenly 40 and you're like, whoa, I'm taking a pay cut, you're going to learn like it's pretty important. Elsewhere in the world of news, I saw one of the coolest um, ideas, and again, I don't know, I think it's meant to fail, but I think it's a great idea. Uh, There's a company called MoviePass, and I'm going to look into this because You know, when you have kids, when you have family, when you got friends. uh, It's $10 a month and it can buy you a Daily Movie Pass where you can see one movie in a theater per day, per month. So Movie Pass almost seems too good to be true. You get one ticket a day to any regular movie, not 3D or IMAX. It's available in 91% of theaters out there. It means that you can see 365 movies each year in theaters for less than 120 bucks. I don't even know if there are 365 movies made a year, and I don't even know if what came out this summer if you want to see more than four during the summer. Um, Ted Farnsworth, who's the CEO of a co- an analytics company, he just purchased a majority stake in MoviePass, which is led by Netflix co-founder and former Redbox president Mitch Lowe. And the company's losing a ton of money, and they're, they're probably ramping up revenue to show you know Wall Street look what we can do and then they'll raise the price me I don't know I don't know but they're paying full price movie pass will be paying full price for every ticket sold so you know after one ticket which I assume is ten dollars in most markets I'd say it's seven if you see 1.3 movies a month you know they're okay but that you don't see a third of a movie you pay for two so you're at 14 15 bucks 16 bucks. Um, so you kind of get the idea there that they're going to lose money if people actively use this pass movie pass will pay in the, be paying the full price on it so if you see three movies at uh, you know, thirty bucks um whoa so the company movie Pass originally sold an all you can see plan for thirty dollars a month hoping to make money in you know way that many gems do where you profit from people not using the service very much uh, but not canceling Costco's got dead people who still have Costco cards. That's how powerful their business model is, that people don't want to give them up. But I'm dead. Still don't want to give it up. So now, AMC, a movie theater chain, doesn't see the way things the same. They said movie Pass is not in the best interest of moviegoers, movie theaters, or movie studios. In AMC's view, the price level is unsustainable and only sets up consumers for ultimate disappointment down the road when the product can no longer be fulfilled. Why is MoviePass doing this? I I love the idea. Again, let's modernize things for a second arrow. Uno second arrow. MoviePass pays full price for the tickets, but it does have deals with some theaters, the smaller ones, where it receives a portion of the ticket price back. So the CEO of the company does not see that as a, path to profit. He believes that buying movie pass makes sense for the data about movie providers. Now, again, we know Amazon's pretty powerful about data. They're the most powerful data company in the world, in my opinion. He says that the data will be gleaned, will eventually be used, um, will be worth more than the cost of acquiring it. That seems like an expensive bet to me, but like I recently saw that Amazon... I I didn't know this because I don't know everything about everything, but they've got business in Europe where they're like, you know, yeah, we've got business in Europe where we sell uh, concert tickets. And you think about that for a second, and you go, concert tickets in Europe? And you go, that makes no sense. Why not just go to Ticketmaster? Well, Ticketmaster doesn't do a good job of of monetizing while you're getting your Van Halen summer Revival, 40 years since Jump, concert tickets. Maybe you want to get um, a Sammy Van Hagar uh, um, bottle of tequila. Maybe you want to get, uh, uh, you know, uh, some T-shirts from the band. Maybe you want to get some drumsticks or an Eddie Van Halen uh, guitar sign where Amazon can do all of that way better than a Ticketmaster can. And merchandise, merch, it's all about the merch. Uh, that's where a lot of money can be made, a lot of money, a lot of do-re-mi. Um, so Amazon's going to get into movie ticket sales down the road. Amazon's going to get into concert ticket sales down the road. Um, maybe not movie tickets, but movie pass is there. Maybe they acquire a movie pass because it's all about the data when you sign up. How old are you? How often are you going? What are the stories you're going next to? All very, very powerful. Brain hacking. They're brain hacking us. And it feels so good. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com.
0: And your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: i Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. I remember being in college where there was a lot of college costs that I simply never wanted to talk about. Where if you don't talk about it, it's not real, and that's not being an adult whether it be housing costs, transportation costs, meal plans, things along those lines. Another thing a lot of people don't want to talk about is Social Security. CFP Chad Burton does a show here Mondays and Thursdays. No, no, Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Let's play back his fourth segment from this morning where he talks a little Social Security.
3: You should listen to this show. Having a plan for Social Security. And last year, one of the big Social Security strategies that was the most financially Uh, talked about topic in, well, let's see, let me say that correctly. In financial media, one of the most written about topics was Social Security strategies in 2015. And then part of the Budget Reconciliation Act, um, one of the strategies called file and suspend was taken away from us. And so now the only strategy that you can do, you have to have been 62 by last year, and you can still file what's called a restricted application where a married couple... If one of them uh, retires and, and one of them starts to take Social Security, if you have a, a benefit that's higher than a spousal benefit, you can file a restricted application and then switch to your own later on. So that that one's still there if you were 62 or older by last year. It's still available. Restricted application. But the file and suspend strategy is gone. Um, so now it's really for most people that are under 62, the question is going to be, do I start... At 62, do I start at my full retirement age, which is probably 67, or do I wait until 70? Um, typically, if your health is good and you're going to live past your 80s and you have other assets to live off of, waiting until your 70 makes a lot of sense because you have a lot. You, you, between your full retirement age and age 70, it's about an 8% rate of return on your Social Security money, as long as you live past, you know, early 80s. What about if you or your spouse is still working? Should you take Social Security? In most cases, if you're under your full retirement age, it's a horrible idea. Because not only is your Social Security benefit taxed, you can actually be penalized. If you earn, if you take Social Security before your full retirement age, for every dollar that you earn over $16,920, your Social Security benefit will be reduced by $1 for every $2 that you earn over that limit. So not only can it be taxed, but you can just get, get it sucked away from you. And you've turned it on way too early, so it affects your amount for the rest of your life, and then you lose some of it. Now, where this comes into play, what if, you're, what if you take Social Security early and your spouse is still earning money? There's, it can get a little bit complicated. The complicated situation arises if both of their spouse in a marriage have your own independent earnings record, and one of them takes a restricted application. So if you're doing a restricted application and the spouse that you're taking benefits based on your application on, if they're still earning money, you can run into that penalty situation. So it can be very, very confusing. I would just really encourage you, unless it's a situation where you have to do it to put food on the table and you know, keep yourself alive and your lights on in your house, don't take Social Security before your full retirement age. The only time that that makes sense to do is if typically you are either single or both you and your spouse are not very healthy and you'll probably not live until you're 80. If that's the case, then a lot of it has to do with, okay, well, we might as well take it now while we're alive and we can enjoy it. That's about it. Usually it's waiting to your full retirement age Um, or wait until you're 70. Now, we we have Social Security software that we use in our firm that takes your earnings history, your spouse's earnings history, and it maximizes different options based on a short life expectancy, a normal life expectancy, or a long life expectancy, so that you can be presented with choices. And we see things that are all over the place. We have situations where the software finally kicks out something that says, all right, you're going to start your Social Security at 69 years old and nine months. Your spouse is going to file a restricted application at uh, her age 67 and then switch to your own benefits at age 70. And it can be all over the board. But because the formula for Social Security is a little bit complicated and lumpy, meaning that you can get these kind of anomalies in your benefits and how it's paid to you and how the Benefit is calculated. So it's not really a simple thing. So there's ways that you can do that software online. There's places that charge 99 bucks to do it. We do it as part of our financial planning for our clients um, because, you know what, with bond rates basically in the toilet still, with a 10-year treasury under 2.5%, California municipal bond funds that are have any degree of safety paying under 3%, Maximizing every source of income that you have is extremely important. And Social Security is a large source of income. For a lot of people, your Social Security benefit, the present value of it, if you start at age 67 and live until you're 85, 90 years old, is over a million dollars. You would need an investment over a million dollars to uh, basically replace what that is. So it's something that you owe it to yourself to maximize. It's a very important decision and can come into play, are you ready to retire or not? Because you might need to put off Social Security until you're age 70. And if you do, how are you going to create income from other assets in the meantime?
1: I'm Rob Black. That's CFP Chad Burton. He does a show here in the mornings, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, called um, New Focus on Wealth. He's a certified financial planner. His content's the best on the station, in my opinion. Maybe next to mine. Mine's more infotaining. His is more direct uh, but good stuff if you want to get up to speed on what you need for retirement. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. I do the show Monday and Thursdays at 6 a.m., a little extra work, but where I focus primarily on stocks and in sectors and investing ideas. so the broker advisor taking action on any stocks I mentioned. If you want to meet CFP Chad Burton, he does seminars along with me. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Again, when you sign up for a seminar, use the code RADIO25. You'll hear commercials for radio uh, seminars. Use that code radio 25 to get in for free if you're a radio listener. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The, a the closer you get to retirement, the more you need to start thinking about how you can get the most out of your nest egg. Hi, I'm Rob Black. On September 9th, I'll be in San Rafael, along with CFP Chad Burton and attorney Michelle Lerman for a special event focused on retirement income strategies and estate planning. We're going to help you get a better picture of how to manage your retirement income so that it lasts longer, lets you live comfortably, and protects your family. Which accounts you should draw from first? What's the best way to manage your IRAs and your 401Ks? How should you handle your Social Security? We'll cover all that and show you how to minimize your taxes. And we'll go over retirement products, which ones are the good ones, which ones to avoid. What if long-term care becomes an issue? That could drain your entire estate if you don't protect it. Just the tip of the iceberg. Join us Saturday, September 9th, 10 to noon at Sheraton San Rafael. Register now at robblackshow.com. For KDOW listeners, will waive the $25 fee. Just use promo code radio25 when you register. That's Roblackshow.com, promo code radio25. Hope to see you there